Hello everyone. Welcome to our episode of In Conversation with IPR and Competition Law. I am Ishita Borwa, the founder and today's host of this podcast episode. I hope you have listened to our previous episodes too. Hi everyone. I am Arnab Joshi and I will be your co-host for today's episode. I'm currently a final year law student at OP Jindal Global University. Today's episode of the podcast is going to be really special. I can't wait to get started. Today we have Gaetano Dimita sir with us. Mr Dimita is an interactive entertainment and intellectual property law scholar. Gaetano sir teaches interactive entertainment law, interactive entertainment transactions, e-sports law, international and comparative law of copyright and related rights, global intellectual property law. and art and intellectual property law he is the founder and editor in chief of the interactive Inter- entertainment law review getano sir is also the producer of the more than just the game conference series so professor uh, before we begin we would all like to know what led to your interest to merge towards uh, interactive entertainment and intellectual property law and could you describe your overall journey as a senior lecturer for international intellectual property law at queen mary university london yes and thank you thank you very much for for having me and thank you for this first first leading question because for me it was it was kind of automatic i mean i i i went to school law school i got a degree in law i became a lawyer uh, i was passionate about intellectual property law and i dedicated uh, uh, the final year of my undergraduate and then master and phd to intellectual property law and when i when i got my lectureship and they asked me what i wanted to teach uh the the answer was kind of automatic i always been an incredible uh, incredibly passionate about about video games and and interactive entertainment and uh, and uh, and this is what i answered that i want to teach interactive entertainment law that at that time is over i don't want to tell you all i am but it's it's over a decade ago was still pretty pretty new there were just an handful of university uh, teaching the subject and uh, very few people doing research in the field and that for me was surprising because uh, uh, video games in general games and interactive entertainment products or services are fascinating from from an intellectual property point of view they are extremely complex uh, uh, products and services they are um, entangled in a very complex uh, contractual matrix of licensing across licensing of IP and they follow being a global uh, industry uh, a minefield of uh, of regulation worldwide so uh, as a researcher i, I felt it was the uh, the ideal topic and plus I mean, between us, uh, video games are, are amazing. It's fascinating. So why not? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, That's and very. I, I, I got lucky because there was uh, interest uh, since the beginning. Uh, uh, an increasing number of students take take the courses that are multiplied. We started with interactive entertainment law. Now we have another course on on the contractual aspect, interaction entertainment transaction. We have a, a specific course on esports law, and they are all really well attended. And and we are doing we are doing research in in aspect of IP and. and more recently regulation that are normally untouched by the established academia even in IP 
that's very interesting sir uh, also sir just to familiarize our audience can you also explain what is esports all about and also how does it differ from traditional sports and how is it part of the interactive entertainment industry uh, esports is is, is 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 one of those terms ought to define because we all call it esports and and, and no one is really happy with the with, with the terminology but uh, uh, for understanding each other is 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 playing video game competitively basically that that's probably the best way to 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 approach it and it does have a substantial difference with the, uh, with sports and one of them i mean there are a number of differences obviously but a crucial one is that is based on a video game that has a developer and a publisher so it's based on something that is protected by intellectual property law the traditional sport that don't normally uh, have there, there are many more differences but i guess this is for our conversation this is the most crucial one the omnipresence of ip the fact that ip actually can control can 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 determine how the entire ecosystem uh, is created that's really amazing sir uh following on from this question uh our audience would like to know what the role of ipr is in the booming esports industry and how the two subjects that are ipr and esports are interrelated and how do they function with each other i mean it would be very difficult for esports to function without without ip at the end of the day the 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 way the ecosystem is designed by the publisher is determined by ip choices uh, there are different models because of course esports is, is is again is a very general term i mean there is a there is an esport ecosystem per game every single video game that is played competitively has its own ecosystem its own uh, leagues uh, tournament international regional or national organization and every esports being connected to a video game is uh, created depending on the choice made by the publisher in licensing the ip for instance a, a publisher could be um, very protective of their esport ecosystem and decide to to run everything themselves and in that case creating a, a, a sort of franchise model they actually take charge of the entire ecosystem and they cross license ip with the tournament organizer with the teams and uh, indirectly or directly uh, with the players or could they actually decide and again it is an ip license it's generally a copyright and trademark license to allow a third party the organization of the ecosystem globally or regionally or even nationally with the direct agreement with with, with national organizer but even though they don't want to get involved in esports and they decide to, to let other people uh, organizing their their tournaments still it is an ip decision because lack of enforcement the letting other people use their game without permission it is a, a, an ip strategy choice and nevertheless even if they don't want to get involved and they want to foster their player to organize you know grassroots events it's always helpful to have uh, a, a permissive license i mean a lot of the successful video games that are esports they tend to have on their website you know a, a really clearly worded and easy to access license for instance for uh, university to organize their own esport tournaments most of the time there is no money involved 
but to do it properly and also to do it in a way that wouldn't create some some um, how to put it some some some, some situation on, of lack of comfort for instance for sponsor to be legitimized to actually play that video game in a competition that is public so I, ip is crucial it is, is is what creates the ecosystem they are ip licenses so they're they're very very well interconnected Okay, that's very interesting, sir. Sir, uh, also, uh, what are some of the legal issues that the games and interactive entertainment industry face? Are there any other issues? Uh, if yes, sir, uh, can you please kindly highlight them as well? Oh, there, there are a lot. So it depends on time. Because as you can imagine, I mean, the video game industry is, uh, is uh, not only very successful and global, that is already an issue because intellectual property law is territorial and there are tiny differences, even in, in the rights that are more uh, uh, harmonized. So already navigating uh, different IP laws, different contract laws, different regulation when you're launching and distributing your video game uh, globally, it, it, it is a complexity. And, and can be an issue. Of course, generally more an issue for small and medium enterprise than the big player, because the big player, they do have the, uh, the capacity and the resources to do it properly. But for smaller player, that is still an issue. And the other issue is connected. So, you know, the global business, the complexity of the product, the, 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 the global, the fact that it's born uh, digital i mean video games were born with uh, with computer and with digitalization there are a lot of aspects of intellectual property law that doesn't fully fit with the subject matter of protection uh, one of the most uh, known issue uh, that is an old ip issue i mean it's, it's a copyright issue that goes back to first discussion idea special dichotomy is the issue of cloning you know um, video games that are very similar I'm, I'm trying to choose my word uh, correctly not to automatically imply that are infringement but video games that are inspired and sometimes they take more than than uh, what they're supposed to for a pre-existing game and uh, is, is, is a fundamental issue of the industry especially when it comes to uh, mobile games and to hyper casual games from an IP perspective, even when they potentially are copyright infringement, it's, it's quite tricky to, 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 to have it determined by court and going to court is generally expensive. Uh, but it's not only about copyright and, and the use of, uh, of third parties copyright in, in your video game. Similarly, we can say for, for, for trademark and design, there are a lot of aspects that are virtually unexplored by both academia and, and, and by case law. So most of the time, uh, uh, the legal team from a video game company has to make an educated guess and a risk assessment in order to determine what they're doing is potential infringement or not. And uh, I mentioned cloning, but even, you know, um, often there is, a, there is a tendency, it's part of the industry to, for instance, create a cameo or, or an Easter egg without a video game that might include third parties IP. And, and, and depending on the jurisdiction, it might not be clear whether or not that is covered by limitation or exception, uh, if, if, for instance, it's, it's parody or, or, or if not. 
and on the other side there are also uh, issues on protectability, which aspect of the video game can actually be protected uh, uh, as a trademark, as a design, or uh, more uh, intensively, probably, the issue of patentability, and specific the issue of patentability of aspect of the gameplay that is extremely important, in which internationally we see uh, a, a, a huge differences uh, between systems, from systems that allow a more welcoming uh, video game patterns to systems in which they are pretty, pretty rare. And of course, when you look at it from the business side, uh, there are a lot of decisions that you have to make and your IP strategy has to deal with, with the complexity of the system in, in which you want to distribute your game. That if you want to distribute it globally, it's uh, everywhere. So uh, there are a, num a, a number of issues and, uh, and some of them have been um, solved in a way, at least th there are ways uh, to tackle them that are based on, 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 on risk assessment because of the lack of decision. That's really quite fascinating, sir. Uh, so narrowing down our discussion to a particular aspect of IPR, we're going into copyright, something which I'm really you know interested in. Uh, we'd like to know what is the role of copyright law in esports, considering it is a part of the inter inter interactive entertainment industry. Is copyright law merely a facilitator or does it have a significant role in this industry? Basically, the, the, the license is, is a copyright license. So it, it, it is crucial. I mean, what I was mentioning before, that is for the publisher uh, or the developer to to actually decide how they want their ecosystem to uh, to to exist and to grow. It, it is crucially true through copyright, of course, and and trademarks. Not only copyright, but that is the license. In order in order just to play the video game, you you need a license, <laughs> which is a copyright license. That, that's true. That's true. So it, it, it works both ways. You can use copyright to authorize and and then provide permissive licenses and, and and allow for people to use your video game as an esports, or you can use copyright to stop others from from from, from doing it. All right, sir. And uh, sir, uh, how often do we see copyright infringement in this industry, and what steps can be taken to prevent such infringement? Uh, the, 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 often, I mean, uh, uh, copyright infringement. The, the thing is, we we, we can see a, a, a lot of infringing activities going on, uh, both business to business and business to to, to, to consumer, but uh, not all of them are actually considered by the industry to be damaging, and, and so they are enforced. Uh, the, the main one is is probably the damaging is is is, is cloning. And uh, we, we, we publish a report on copyright infringement of the video game industry for the World Intellectual Property Organization. It is available for the, from their website. And uh, mm, uh, cloning is omnipresent. Uh, if, you, if you check on any uh, mobile phone uh, platform, uh, a video game that you want to download, you will see that after a first search, you might end up with 20 pages of video games that are really similar. Of course, not all of them are copyright infringement, but even monitoring and tracking the potential infringing one, it is uh, could become a, a full-time job. 
on top of that a very dangerous uh, copyright infringement uh, to the industry is uh, the the activity the infringing copyright also um, undermining the the way the video game is played uh, the use of cheats bots uh, paid service are potentially a copyright infringement or a, or a breach of contract, a breach of uh, the individual license agreement of the video game, they really damage the, 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 the internal ecosystem of the, of the video game because no one wants to play a video game where there are a lot of cheaters that go, uh, let me say, unpunished. But from a copyright perspective, this is extremely time consuming to, to actually enforce your right against the provider of this uh, cheat software and, uh, and bots. While there are other, and I don't want to, to focus on the negative part, there are other potential copyright infringement that the video game industry tends to, and I'm generalizing here, to, to, to condone. For instance, the possibility of uh, creating a video, user-generated content, uh, playing the video game and streaming it uh, online on some services that, that, is, that, that is licensed, but in others don't. Uh, those are all activities that they, they, they potentially infringe copyright, but if they're not already covered by limitation exception or license, are still very welcomed by, by, by the industry. Because at the end of the day, people are playing your video game, they're making something creative and fun with your video game, uh, why not letting them do it? And another borderline is modding, because modding mainly depends on, on, on the publisher and what they they, 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 they they think about the activity, you know, the possibility for user, for players to modify certain aspects of the video game that in some, in some video games is actually uh, fostered by providing uh, the editors themselves for user to modify uh, their game and in other in other companies for other publisher is something they they uh, they really don't like <laughs> let, let, let me put it that way and uh, these are all activities that could be generally divided in three categories activity that potentially infringe the game uh, for instance uh, uh, cloning or modding and activities that potentially uh, uh, modify the, the, the relationship, I mean, da damage the playability of the video game, uh, cheating and all the, the various forms of cheating that might involve uh, playing around with, with the code or with the graphic user interface. And then all the activities that are based on uh, using the video game for other, for other reasons, for, for other, other level of entertainment, including, you know, we mentioned already, let's play video and, 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 and streaming uh, your playthrough. But we could also include esports in that. If esports is done without uh, a license, that is a copyright infringement. The list go on, can go on for hours. <laughs> I hope I hope <laughs> I summarize it. <laughs> you know, no, that was that was pretty that was pretty extensive, Professor. Uh, just moving on. Uh, what are some other in aspects of intellectual property involved in the esports industry? Could you briefly shed a light on them too? Yes, I mean, I, I, I guess the, the, the big one that we didn't mention enough is, is trademark, because also also trademark is part of the license that the publisher will will provide 
to create and generate an esports ecosystem and 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 depending on the jurisdiction there is a strong presence of personality uh, right or you know more generally the right to commercialize someone's persona because when you look at esports and intellectual property law there is a tendency and you notice when i was answering the the the, the, the previous question to focus on the right of the publisher and the developer of the video game but esports is is much more i mean the ip ecosystem is much bigger than just the game every member of the ecosystem every actor from the tournament organizer from from the league organizer every single team and every single player they are creating ip and they are licensing ip and so in the ecosystem yes the base is this license to play the game but then you will have the trademarks and the copyright created by all the entities that are they're joined in this in this uh, in this ecosystem and, and, and listing them. I already forgotten, you know, the sponsors or the broadcaster of, of, of esports. They are all people that bring their own IP to the plate, and this is what makes the the, the 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 licensing matrix extremely complex and then crucially based on on intellectual property. Remember, a player themselves they are creating IP. Joining, yes. joining the esports, so it's, it's it's really rich. The video game is the base, but there are levels and levels on top of that of IP licenses. Yes, correct, sir. Uh, and uh, sir, also uh, I would want to ask you, sir, uh, what are some uh, intricacies that are involved or to be kept in mind uh, while drafting various IP contracts related to esports? Oh. The, the, the list could be very long. That, that, let, let, let me answer with, with, with a point that I think is important. The esports industry is really young. Uh, it is uh, uh, at the beginning, these contracts that are constantly, constantly evolving. And uh, we have seen in the past a lot of uh, bad drafting. A lot of bad drafting for. for, 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 for because probably the subject matter was new, I don't want to to say bad drafting because <laughs> people would would want it to take advantage. But uh, is uh, the, the crucial point is is to take them for what they are. A contract, and uh, they shouldn't be draft or signed uh, lightly. Uh, the, 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 there is a lack of template, there is generally a lack of understanding what this uh, contractual term will imply. And there is something that at the beginning was a problem, and thank God it's being uh, slowly solved, to just take templates from other industry and try to copy and paste the language into, into those agreements. It is always important to, to take into consideration that whichever agreement we're drafting uh, is gonna sit on an already existing matrix of, of agreement. So it's really crucial to understand exactly what you're licensing and what you're getting licensed for. And now that could uh, potentially create issue with the rest of the country that you sign and licensing in and out that you, that you add. And generally, I would strongly suggest whoever, especially aspiring esports player, never to sign anything without having uh, uh, legal advice, independent legal advice. And even if you went to law school and you're a lawyer, uh, 
it's, it's never a good idea to, to defend yourself. <laughs> so <laughs> always, yes, always ask for a second pair of eyes. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, esports players, you need to get in touch with your lawyers before signing any contract. Uh, sir, could you also briefly explain to our audience regarding the impact of Brexit on the UK interactive copyright law? Oh, that's that, that's a tough one. Uh, I, 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 Bre- Brexit, Brexit uh, uh, is still uh, is still unclear the full scale. Because uh, uh, at the moment, what happened at the end of the transition period, the UK actually uh, kept all the European legislation and uh, consider up to the time, up to the 1st of January, when Brexit actually happened, uh, all the cases of the Court of Justice are considered equivalent of cases of the uh, Supreme Court here in the UK. There are a number of outstanding issues. For instance, the UK is promised to review every year uh, the rule of exhaustion. But at the moment, uh, we are still, uh, uh, we still have all the legislation that was before. There have been no, no amendment in the registration. We're still using the same uh, exhaustion rules that we had before. But this is increasing the complexity of the pre-existing uh, question we had on whether or not aspect of UK copyright was compatible with you, 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 the key community. Uh, starting from section one, I mean, whether or not uh, we still have a close list in the UK. That's, uh, there's been uh, uh, a good amount of case law in which that has been uh, directly or indirectly questioned, especially for the more um, for, for, for the subject matter of protection that is not uh, clearly a literary, artistic, dramatic or musical uh, work. And, uh, and this is a question that needs to be answered as soon as possible because most of the crucial, more creative part of, uh, of an interactive entertainment product or service of, of a video game uh, are actually the part that are less, uh, more, more difficult to actually reconnect directly to, to you know, an artistic work or a, or a dramatic work. So a little bit of, of clarity on subject matter would be extremely, extremely helpful. And plus, we have the 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 the, 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 the situation that uh, while the EU has been. Uh, uh, m- moving so forward, for instance, with the Digital Single Market Directive, uh, the UK is not planning. It's, 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 it's not. It's not. A, uh, it's, it, they, they are not gonna uh, introduce the Digital Single Market Directive in, in UK legislation. So they're, they're not. Uh, they're not following the same route, which was a route that they were lobbying. I mean. They, they, they were promoting the digital single market directly up to until uh, Brexit. So at the moment, uh, there, are, there is no uh, I- immediate drama. But if the UK will start uh, going away from, from the KISS community there, that would create, uh, obviously, a little bit of inconsistency and a little bit of worries uh, in, uh, in the industry. I, I don't think anyone wants to have an extra jurisdiction to to to, to, to take uh, uh, 
to take away uh, to, to take into consideration when distributing the video game on on, 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 on trade burden design uh, the, the the uk actually create parallel system and allow for the registration of everything into in, 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 into the uk system but of course this from a business side involves something else to to think about you have to go and register uh, to another place and, and redo the registration for the categories of goods and services in which you want the trademark to be to be valid and and, and similar design uh, so uh, a, a, a little bit of uh, headaches for, for, for people working in, in, in the field. From, from my perspective, yet no changes, but uh, there is the possibility to, to have changes. I mean, the UK now could, could, uh, could actually try to, to move their own way instead, instead of following the, the, the EU. But whether or not that's that's a good thing, <laughs> that, 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 that that's another matter. Mm-hmm. Plus, yes. at the moment, uh, Brexit created so so many uh, separate issues, uh, directly or indirectly connected to to IP. That will probably gonna take at least a decade to fully understand uh, what happened. Uh, of course, I have my personal opinion. I don't think it was a good idea. Just to put it mildly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, sir. Um, sir, um, again, moving on to the next question. Uh, sir, um, how can IPR management help the gaming industry? Sir, uh, do you believe effective management of IP can help the gaming industry to resolve various legal issues or any other secondary issues that it faces? Sir, uh, if yes, uh, can you please enlighten us uh, as to how? I mean, the, uh, y- 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 you cannot... You cannot avoid it. I mean, the, the the way you 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 actually distribute and monetize on your video game is IP. If you don't have a, a clear understanding of what your IPs are, uh, both from a positive perspective, what your IP is and how you can license uh, and, and now you can license it, but also what other people's uh, IP are, and so avoid getting sued. Uh, you, you cannot have a video game industry. I mean, the blood and soul of the video game industry is uh, is IP. So it's extremely important. Of course, uh, you, you cannot expect uh, a developer or, or, or someone that is not a lawyer to fully understand the, the intricacy of, of intellectual property law. But uh, an understanding of what they are, what they entail, and, and what they mean in practice is fundamental for everyone involved, uh, involved in the industry. Then of course there are there are there are the, the, the most specific uh, aspect of the industry, in which is always uh, better to refer to to an expert because uh, the some, sometimes the risky scenario are are, are are the gray areas where where there is no uh, no clear path to follow. At that point, it's really important to understand. How these uh, issues are actually dealt by by the industry itself, uh, because you you can actually increase your chances to get it right uh, if you know um, what what happened in the past. This history is always a good teacher, even even when it comes to uh, to, to IP. And every single contract you're gonna sign, I mean, from from, from publishing agreement, distribution agreement, uh, actors agreement, uh, and so forwards, 
uh, what you're selling and what you're buying is basically AP. So you, you, without without managing it properly, it's really difficult for a video game to be successful or, or even to reach the market and to get distributed. Right, so. It's really quite interesting, sir. Uh, moving on, uh, Professor, if you'd know, uh, recently India has recognized esports as a part of a multi-sport event. What do you think are the key gaming law issues that various countries can face on a daily basis, particularly uh, in developing jurisdictions like India? No, that 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 that, that was a the, the booming, the explosion of esports in India is 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 a news that's been reported almost. I mean, it's it, 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 it incredible how fast it's growing, and I think right. uh, direct connection with 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 mobile gaming. Uh, these actually increase the simplicity to which the system can uh, can be accessed. Uh, on top of what we discussed already, IP licensing is uh, one of the tricky aspects of, of, of esports exploding in, uh, in in your jurisdiction is uh, is regulation. Is regulation because the way an esport tournament uh, works, uh, normally you pay a fees to to join and and you might win money at the end. And there is uh, an economic aspect based on you know, on the on the media rights or on, on the sponsorship that generally calls for the attention of, of, of regulators. And and also there is there is an interest, of course, of, of, of other industries. Uh, namely just just to mention one the the, 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 the gambling industry to, to to get involved because of course it's a new market it's a new market with a lot of uh, people involved and in which still the the, 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 the it's not settled down so you, you can you, you can constantly do things in, in a new way also because at, at the moment there is no there is no winning strategy so uh, in India, the situation is, is, is particularly complex because, I, 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 if I remember correctly, uh, gambling regulation is, is regional within India. So you might have different regulators uh, looking at it from different perspectives and coming up with different uh, suggestions. Yes, it is a game of skill, but there is always uh, the possibility for, 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 for regulators to o- overlook the fact that it's actually is closer to a sport. And this generally comes for the lack of definition in your jurisdiction of whether or not esports is a sport. So is 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 uh, uh, is the organization of a tournament something closer to a, a, a football or a cricket tournament or or it involves something else that would necessitate the attention of of a regulator. And plus, when uh, the industry is starting, there are a lot of questions that, 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 that comes in front of the lawyers getting involved. What about immigration rules? Are they considered athletes, uh, people coming to, to, to join a tournament in India? Uh, or, 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 or even, sorry if I'm getting away from my pee, but tax is always a big question, as, as you can imagine. How do you tax the winnings? How do you, where do you tax them? And so forward. So uh, clarity is, is is always helpful, and, and, and generally, uh, organization automatically form uh, in any jurisdiction in order to help and facilitate and, and to tackle these particular issues. 
and uh, th there is no there, there is no clear uh, uh, clear path. I mean, uh, some jurisdiction decided not to regulate the sports at all. Uh, other jurisdiction uh, decided to regulate and, and actually have specific regulation for uh, uh, esports as a, as a phenomenon. And other other jurisdiction they simply decide to create small amendments to the pre-existing law in order to accommodate and solve very specific problems that they had in front of them. So it's, 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 it's this is another obstacle from an international uh, esports ecosystem because every single jurisdiction. Are, have their way uh, uh, looking at it. And, and while on the AP side, we do have, thanks to international agreement, a level of understanding and, and harmonization when it comes to other form of, of, of regulation, uh, that, that's definitely not the case. And, and justifiably so. I mean, something, for instance, like gambling, it really changed the way it is looked at depending on the jurisdiction. Uh, because that is based on how that particular culture looks at gambling. In some countries, it's totally fine. It's a it's a way to spend your time. In some other countries, gambling is a is a moral sin. So, of course, the regulation will follow <laughs> with different teeth depending on how society looks at that particular activity. Yes, sir. We only hope that the. Uh, recently, as the esports uh, has been recognized uh, as a multi-sport event in India, we only hope that all the compliances of the gaming law issues fix really well in that esports event. No, uh, it, it, it is an it is an it, it, it is an amazing market. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the, 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 there is the, the, there is a lot of interest. If you just look at, uh, at the numbers, the, mo the moment you, you, you add India to, to, to the ecosystem, uh, you, you kind of double the global numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Um... Big, big country. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, sir, uh, uh, sir, as... Uh... And thank you, sir, for enlightening us so much about esports as a web and everything about the gaming issues and all the compliances that it would also face in the future. And, um, sir, also as we have come to the end of this podcast's episode, sir, I would really and uh, I and Arnav would really like to ask you what are the core motos of life you believe in and that you would also like to disseminate to the students and everyone in general. Sorry, can you repeat that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, sir. Sir, um, since we have come to the end of this podcast episode, sir, uh, we would like to know what are the core mottos of life uh, you believe in uh, and values that you would like to disseminate uh, to the audience and everyone in general? To a a any law students is to... And, uh, I I I'm gonna sound very old, but uh, it is true that following your passion uh, is the key. If you manage to find uh, an aspect of the law you're really passionate about, and a subject matter you're really passionate about, uh, right. go, go for it. Don't, don't listen to anyone telling you you should do A, B, and C, because that's the only thing they're gonna get you a job. Uh, nothing is gonna get you a job more than you being passionate about what you're doing and that makes everything easier it makes easier to get better grades it makes easier to actually enjoy uh, what you're doing 
I don't know how many law students for how many law students law school was the first choice in general or something that already was was indicated uh, 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 as a good profession and so uh, that, that that basically that's basically the most important the most important thing mm. yes sir passion is the key to everything um, I think we all listeners should take note of these core mottos of sir and life lessons from Dimita sir uh, sir thank you it was an interesting session and I hope you enjoyed this session too I, I love you I loved it thank you very much I thank you very much for, for, for having me it was an honor having you sir thank you so much I would also like to thank all the listeners for tuning into today's episode and sir it was a pleasure to have you on our podcast and discuss the interrelation of IPR and esports as a legal exploration of interactive entertainment for questions suggestions and recommendations please feel free to contact us on our Instagram LinkedIn or Twitter accounts thank you everyone for tuning into today's episodes episode of our podcast which is in collaboration with Arnav Joshi from Extra Cover blog, which is about sports law and covers the latest updates, news analysis, opinions, legislative critics, and enlightening stories from the world of sports law. We hope to host more talk shows this way. And like this, we all will learn together the aspects and prospects of intellectual property rights and competition law. This is in conversation with IPR and competition law. See you soon in the next episode.